Welcome to Cool Explorations, I'm your host Tony Peters. Today we are going to have Shane on to talk about his family history with uh, divorce as well as what it was like growing up with that experience as well. His mother's having a another child after the separation and then his father's attempted suicide and then what it was like to have his parents come back together and how God has really been at work throughout this whole journey and in preparing him for where he is at right now and uh, he's also got a verse Ephesians 4:32, be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you welcome to Cool Explorations I am your host Tony Peters and today we do have Shane with us and uh, we're going to be discussing uh, a little bit of his testimony and uh, talking about Ephesians 4:32 a little bit which we read already in the intro uh, why don't you start off by introducing yourself and telling us what you currently do? Yeah, my name is Shane Dakin. I'm a youth director at a Nazarene church here in Sacramento, California. Awesome. And uh, with your role as a youth director, what does that all entail for you? Uh, I'm essentially in charge of the youth ministry. It's it's the same role as a youth pastor. Um planning events, teaching the students, um, middle school and high school, so 7th to 12th grade, um, teaching them. And it's it's an interesting group. Um, several of these kids have grown up in church, but don't even, like one young lady whose grandfather used to be the pastor of our church and grew up there just a couple weeks ago looked at me and said, wait, more than one person wrote the Bible? So it's a really, <laughs> it's an interesting, interesting. <laughs> a group that really it surprised me but it also really excites me that she's asking those questions and and starting to pay attention enough she's going to be 16 soon and she's just now starting to pay attention to what's happening and what what we're saying as leaders or, or as pastors and because that was during main service when the pastor was saying and this book written by paul or i forget what which passage she was reading about but that's when the young lady looked at me and was surprised but um so really I've kind of turned back to teaching them basics. We're doing, we, you know, we're just going through kind of some catechism level questions, talking about it, answering their questions. Um, on top of that, trying to outreach to young people in, cause the church is right in the heart of downtown Sacramento. So I'm really trying to reach out to young people in that area, do a lot of outreach. And I've also just started a young adults ministry at our church that hasn't had one for many years. So yeah, and Bible studies and young adult studies. I, I really enjoyed that when we when I first got married, uh, going to young adult Bible studies and stuff. So it's definitely something very important. Yeah, I think that's, and the, the statistics show like that's where we, as a church, lose a lot of people is right in that age range. So I think I have a, I have a real passion for that age range as well, as well as teenagers. But um, it's... I, I've been working in youth ministry for a long time and the young men that I started with are now in that young adult range and they're like family to me. So I think that's, that's part of it is watching them get out into the world and try and own their own faith or, you know, they're considering walking away from their faith or all those things. So really trying to walk with them through that process has really kind of put it on my heart that um, our church needs to be serving that demographic as well. 
Yeah, that's really important because it is true. When people go to university around that age, that's when they really start falling away from, from the faith. And some of them come back, some of them don't. Uh, so it's really important to be reaching those people um, and yeah. teaching them beforehand. That's why with uh, my own son, he's in junior youth and it's like youth is going to be very important for him too, because it's like, yeah. we want you to have that foundation and trust that be able to go and ask your pastor questions. Absolutely. And, and uh, that bond is is something that's very, very important. And we have a great young youth pastor right now who's really, really on fire. He's just freshly out of Bible school and he's just okay. super stoked about uh, about everything. So it's it's interesting to, to watch him with the with the youth. And yeah, you know, he's started up a bit of a discipleship program that my son's in now too, which is something okay. our church has kind of been lacking. So yeah, it's, very cool. it's nice to see because I think discipleship and mentorship is something churches have failed on for a long time. And yep. uh, we need to get back to that. Uh, yep. Because it's it was a key component in the Bible and something Jesus focused heavily on. Yeah, so it's something it's an example we need to follow um, yeah. as a church. Uh, before we get too much into your into different history and stuff that we're going to get into for your family, why don't you tell us your own testimony uh, and how God's kind of brought you to where you are right now in your life? Yeah. So let's see. What's the uh most succinct version of this <laughs> but it's 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 just, it's kind of difficult for me because a lot of my testimony um i've always been a, a learn from what others have done or others mistakes or that kind of that's kind of how i've been wired so a lot of my testimony is other people's experiences speaking to me if that makes sense yeah. um part of that history is you know when i uh, when I was in fourth grade, my parents split up. They were apart for a little over two years, separated for a little over two years, had divorce papers drawn up. My mom had a boyfriend during that time and got pregnant. So I have a half brother. Um, and then them, which we can get into more now or later, it's up to you. I'm going to let you steer this ship, but they end up getting back together. And part of that process, which is really their testimony has become my testimony. Yeah. To know what God did in their lives has been enough evidence for me to know, oh, God's real and God is really um, affecting in very real ways our day-to-day lives, even in this modern time when, you know, especially I think for students. And I was, like I said, it was fourth grade when that, when that happened. And then so sixth grade when they got back together. Um, and that's when I, my parents, my whole family started going to church at that time. Before that, they were, we were not. Um, practicing Christians. I think we were, you know, Christians by heritage, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know? Um, so we started going at that time and that, and at that age, a lot of young people, you know, well, but God did all these miracles and things in the Bible. Why doesn't he do that stuff anymore? Well, for me, that was evidence. That was the proof to me that I needed, you know, these, these are miracles Two unchurched people who lived, we lived in a, uh, I don't know if you guys know of it, but it's Santa Cruz, California, and it's super liberal. Um, it's still kind of overrun with with literal hippies, and <laughs> you know, um, there's and there's also a lot of witchcraft and demonism and those kinds of things in that town. So that's where I grew up, and then to 
to have my parents get back together and we become a very devout Christian family um, with that background was just a really powerful lesson for me. Um, so all that to say, started out learning from others, got into youth group, had a great youth group as a, as a teenager, um, felt a call in my heart to work with students even at that age, um, but was talked out of it pretty quickly by the school, school counselors, um, extended family. Uh, you need to get a real job. You need to, you know, or get a degree in something more practical first. And then if you still feel pursuing ministry is, is, is the call, then do that. Um, and then there was some kind of stereotypical getting burned by people at the church that I grew up in, uh, which kind of led to walking away from my faith for a while. I never abandoned my faith. I always still had it, but it really got put on the back back burner <laughs> not just the back burner the back back burner um went through a time of homelessness went through a time of hopping from job to job um ended up when i was 23 joining the military i joined the navy um which was an amazing experience i saw a lot of the world i saw a lot of got exposed to a lot of different um backgrounds beliefs belief systems um perspectives from just people from all walks of life, not only in the Navy, but in the countries that we went to. Um, and then uh, when I came, got out of the Navy, I came home, I only was in for five years. So it wasn't a real long time. Uh, met my soon to be wife, my future wife at the time. Uh, and she had a very similar, um, she was in a very similar place in life. They talk about, you know, being equally yoked with your partner and we were more equally yoked than anyone else I know because we both had that foundation we had that faith but we both had kind of just gone out into the world and decided to live our lives and and uh you know you got that mindset well God's got me he, he knows <laughs> so when we got together she we both kind of at the same time approached the topic of we should maybe go to church if we're serious about this relationship and we're serious about where it could go in the future we should maybe find a church and very quickly we connected to a church we got married after i think we'd been together two and a half years when we got married um had it started a family kind of right away because i was getting old um <laughs> and that right after i we had kids we found ourselves at another church because we relocated our home and we got to that church and I said, all right, hon, we've, we've been pretty consistent with attending church. Now we need to start being part of the church. I'm going to volunteer. Um, and I think I'm going to volunteer for the youth group student ministry. And that kind of, I volunteered for about two years. The pastor there, I used to joke with him all the time, you know, cause he, the typical youth pastor complaint is, why don't my volunteers show up to the events? Why don't they sign up for the camps when I need them to? I said, well, listen, if you get me a job at the church, I'll have to be there for everything. <laughs> and about a year after I started joking about that, he goes, so if I create a position for you, would you really be interested? Absolutely. So I ended up being his youth ministry coordinator. Um, and that was a huge growth step in my faith. Because it was really eye-opening. I had really convinced myself at that point. 
I hate public speaking. Um, I get very nervous. I get extreme stage fright. So I convinced myself there's no way I'm going to be a pastor. Uh, maybe that calling was just, I was caught up in the fervor of youth group and all my friends went off to Bible college. So I was excited about that. And uh, so maybe it was just all kind of made up in my head. Maybe I wasn't really called to youth ministry. I'd convinced myself of that several years before this. Um, but getting that position in that youth group was really an eye opener and, and God very clearly telling me, look, you can work in ministry. You can work in youth ministry and not be a pastor, quote unquote, pastor. Um, you don't have to get up and give sermons because I was doing all the event planning um, camps. I was um, coordinating with speakers at camps and worship team and um, logistics of all that. I was doing all the behind the scenes work to to free up our youth pastor to work on ministry and work on um, his lessons and and connecting with the families of our students and that kind of stuff. Uh, we had a we had a youth ministry of seventy to eighty kids, so it was it was a lot. That's large, yeah. yeah. Um. So that was a really good eye opener to me that I can work in ministry without having a um, traditional pastoral role, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and I had no um, theological education, no no Bible college, no uh, anything like that hadn't happened. So I thought, well, without that, you can't really be a pastor either. So. Uh, but God just made it really clear. No, man, there's there's all kinds of ways to do ministry, even full-time ministry, even to be on church staff. There's ways other than just being a pastor. Once that settled in, COVID hit, and <laughs> I got let go. Um, but God has really walked through this whole process with me, with my family. Um, we ended up leaving that church for a multitude of reasons, a lot of the reasons that happened in life. Um, but right after I got let go, one of the young men that was part of my group at that church, um, his godparents are the pastors at the church I'm at now. And they were looking to get their youth ministry back up and running as we were starting to come out of COVID. And that's how that connection was made. God, God made that happen because he put us at that church with that youth group, put that young man in my group. That young man's godparents happened to run a church. You know what I'm saying? Like all that yeah. timing and positioning. And for me, that's another like big eye opening. Yep. God's real. God is working. God is doing very practical, present things in our lives. And where I'm at now, it has been the, it's the most home a church has felt for me and my entire family um, since we started going to church. It's been wow. really fantastic. And it's a, it's a small youth group. I got five kids going, went from a youth group with 70 to 80 kids. And I got five kids now and two volunteers and it's fantastic. We're having a great time. Yeah. And it's nice to have that uh, more one-on-one -on -one focus yeah. uh, that you can get with smaller youth groups. Yep. I don't have to get up on stage. Yeah. <laughs> it's <just> fantastic. <laughs> so for you, what was it like when you found out that your parents were going to be separating? That was devastating. Um, that's still a pretty painful memory because I was the kid. I was the one that got home first from school. Um, I'm not sure how that happened, but my sister and I were both in elementary school. We both took the bus to and from. I'm the oldest. Um, but I got home right as dad was leaving with a packed bag. 
And I didn't understand. We didn't even know they were fighting. They were really good at keeping it separate from us. We we had no idea that this was even there was even problems happening. Um, and they were also once you know to their credit they they made it very clear we had it wasn't us. So you know, never was there a thought. Is this my fault? Was I a bad kid? You know, I can't speak for my sister, but for myself, that was the case. Uh, but I was, you know, so dad's walking out. He's got a packed bag. Dad, where are you going? Oh, I'm going to Uncle Vince's. It was his best friend. Uh, I'm going to go to Uncle Vince's and uh, stay the night over there. Oh, can I go? Because it was like a Friday. And it's like, oh, he's going for the weekend. Cool. I love Uncle Vince. That'll be fun. Uh, no, bud. Uh, I'm not sure how long I'm going to stay there. And it just kind of dawned on me, which in retrospect for a fourth grader to realize what's happening without it being said is I'm surprised I figured it out, (laughs) but uh, yeah, he's, he didn't know how long he was going to be gone. And I just remember closing the front door and sitting on the floor and weeping and, you know, and then my sister got home and had to explain to her and (laughs) we're both sobbing and waiting for mom to get home. She worked at a beauty shop right next door. So she was there, but not at the house at the time. Um, so yeah, it was really, really devastating. And I think I struggled with a lot of, um, anger about it for a long time. Even after they got back together, I think I still had some residual anger for it even happening. Yeah. Uh, I can, I can empathize with that for sure. Cause that's kind of, uh, I was a little younger and my parents separated, but it mm. was, uh, still, uh, it was hard to understand, growing up why your family's like that and so many kids go through that now uh, because divorce is is more prominent than ever um what was it like for you also when you found out that your mother was was expecting your your half brother Uh, what was running through your mind at that i hated the guy she was seeing (laughs) you know it was uh she's my dad's wife you know and this other guy is an interloper he doesn't belong and then I find out that um, she's pregnant by him. And I was old enough to understand how all that works. So the fact that they had been together that intimately was infuriating to me that this man has been in my dad's bed with my dad's wife. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really how that felt. Um, so I was, I really was spiteful towards him. But I don't think I ever was upset about a brother coming along or a sib- another sibling. It's which is I'm not sure how I disconnected that because even looking back I don't remember have any having any ill will towards my brother coming along or being, you know. I even remember saying like, you know, he's going to be a blessing to us and um you know, I I think this will be cool. I was excited to be, to have a a little, he was 10 years younger than me. I was excited to have a little brother or a little sibling at the time. Um, So I was excited. It's, it's interesting. I never really thought about it till now, but it's interesting that I was, I separated the two situations. Mom having a boyfriend, mom sleeping with a boyfriend infuriated me, but that resulting in another sibling made me happy and excited uh, yeah. i don't yeah. know was it, it was it's it's interesting to think about and then from there uh you ended up learning about your, your father's suicide attempt how did mm. that impact you uh at that time and even today how would that impact you yeah 
Yeah, so that's part of what I was um, alluding to earlier. Um, so my father found out that my mom was pregnant and he was still in love with her. The separation and divorce uh, was her idea, as are most things in their marriage. <laughs> She's kind of, she rules the roost. She holds the reins. And he tends to go go with the flow very well, almost too well. Um, so the whole thing was her, she initiated all of that. And I, I don't think he ever wanted to be separated. He ever wanted to even consider divorce. Um, so when he found out she was pregnant by somebody else, that really devastated him. Um, where he worked, they had really tall silos. It was a cement um, supplier. So they had these huge silos full of cement, of cement that trains and trucks would load and unload for. He went to the top of these silos, climbed over the rail, and was getting ready to jump and physically felt somebody pull him back, felt a hand grab him and pull him back. Um, and when he turned around, nobody was there. And this is a man who has little to no faith, background, knowledge, or even belief. And he immediately gave, was crediting that to God, God pulling him back. Um, and that's when he, he started attending church shortly after that. He was living in one town, in, a, in that town, Santa Cruz still. We had moved to Fresno, which is a good three hours, three or four hours from Santa Cruz. And I, my mom had moved there with us to be near her mom because she was pregnant. She knew she would need help. Um, so she moved closer to where her mom was. And about the same time, without even knowing it, my mom started attending church in Fresno. They both started attending the same type of church without the other even knowing that they were going to church, which is really bizarre when you consider it was a four square church. I don't know if you're familiar, but it's not the largest denomination of Christian church. Um, and they both attended the same type of church without the other one knowing. So all that to say, like several steps of that are what build my faith and have been a testimony for me. My dad being saved first and foremost, when nobody else was up there, it was the middle of the night. I don't think anyone else was even at the plant at the time. Um, him instantly without question, crediting God with that, with that miracle. Um, and then he has less faith background than my mom does for him to turn around and go, I need to find a church. I need to be at church. It's huge. I mean, I, it's, it's hard without knowing him and his past to really explain how huge that is, but it's huge. Um, and then layer on top of that, my, my mom deciding that she needs to find church and, and needs to pursue church and get us in church. Um, we, we got dedicated um, shortly after that in Fresno at that, at this little, little four square church in Fresno. <laughs> um, so yeah, all of that, just kind of watching that and watching how all that worked out, how that broke down. Once they started going to church, they started communicating again. And they ended up deciding to get back together. And that's when we moved to Sacramento because he had a, the company he worked for had a plant here. Um, and mom didn't want to move back to the, the Santa Cruz. Um, it was too, 
too crowded, too expensive, too many crazies and too many dark influences there. Um, so that was, <laughs> uh, yeah. And they've been together ever since they got remarried, they renewed their vows. And my little brother was raised by my dad and his birth father saw him once when he was a baby and never came back. And, um, I kind of think that was a blessing as well. Um, cause it simplified things for everybody. Um, yeah. I don't know. Did I answer your question? I yeah. Yeah. A little. <laughs> well, and it, it, it sounds like the Holy spirit was definitely at work. Throughout yes, that. Absolutely. Uh, when you look back on that entire process and your entire journey to get to where you are now, how do you see God at work at the various points? I know, uh, that your father's suicide being saved, that was obvious. Um, yeah. where, where else can you, can you see God at, at work throughout that entire journey, just putting pieces in place? Yeah. Um, I, I think one that I, I kind of touched on was them both deciding to attend Foursquare churches. Yeah. Um, neither of them have history with Foursquare. I don't even know that they knew my dad knew what a Foursquare church was. But the fact that that's the church he chose to go to, and then my mom independently made that same choice, um, I think the Holy Spirit definitely was, I need you guys to get on the same page in every way possible, right? Um, And like, you know, it could have been a Baptist church, a Methodist church, it could have been a Lutheran church, it could have been anything. Those are the more common ones that people, I think, tend to drive by this and go, oh, there's a church right there. Let me go check that out, (laughs) you know? Um, so I think that was huge. Um, how quickly my dad fell in love with my brother was absolutely the Holy Spirit's work. Um, he had every reason to be resentful to my brother. Yeah, that can't um, have been easy. It, and I, I, it wasn't easy for my dad's mom. She was resentful towards him think, for my dad in a sense. Um, that took a while. But for my dad instantly to uh, love this baby, love the young man that he became. And really he was there for him in a lot of ways that he wasn't able to be there for us. Cause when we were younger, my dad worked opposite shifts with my mom. He worked graveyards, he worked um, mm-hmm. swing shifts, that kind of stuff. So he was usually, if he was home when we were, he was asleep. Uh, otherwise he was off at work. Uh, so when we moved up here, he had a more regular shift. He had a, a more more opportunity to uh, be the dad I think he always wanted to be. Um, so again, that's God's work in moving us to a place where he was able to do that and able to do that with a son that probably needed it even more. You know what I mean? Because I think being raised by somebody else, it's really easy to go, well, you're not my dad. You don't really care. But the fact that my dad had a job that he was able to be there and show and and do the work of a dad kind of really helped um, drive that point home to really s- cement that in both of them that they are father and son you know and the father the father facilitated that yeah and i think that that uh, just shows grace and mercy uh, a perfect example of of what we see in the bible which is why i thought the verse um ephesians 4 32 which is be kind and compassionate to one another mm. forgiving each other just as in christ god forgave you uh, why i think that verse is so integral in in your story yeah, uh, i think it fits perfectly um 
how has this overall affected your relationship with with Christ to to the point where you are now? Yeah, um, it's funny. But I think it's really. Um, I feel like it's made for a very real, very uh, substantial relationship with Christ. I, I we, you know, um, my brother came out as gay years ago now and there was there was some struggles for him and my parents um i think a lot of that's generational a lot of that is also um their the way they understood their faith made that difficult for them to process um but it was a uh my relationship you know the jesus that i know and that that i love loves first and that just kind of can't kept coming to me it's like god kept saying love first love i'll deal with i'll deal with a lot of the other stuff that everyone else keeps trying to deal with just love your brother don't hide from the truth don't deny the truth but love your brother you know um and i think that has continued to come up in mine and my wife's lives throughout our marriage throughout our relationship with our friends with family with um acquaintances where we're connecting with people from all walks of life and just constantly being reminded to love these people first that's how that's how jesus acted right Mm -hmm. in the new testament especially with non-believers he loved first the times he got mad were with people who claimed to be holier than thou you know like (laughs) the people he got mad at yeah. We're supposed to be the people doing it right. The everyone else, you don't see him getting mad at sinners and non-believers and uh, you know those people in those walks of life and and really like more I think I've heard it a few times it's funny I've heard it a few times just in the last month. You know, as as hard as you or as much as you want to change so-and-so's lifestyle or you want to change their behavior or you want them to get get right quote unquote um god wants it even more and as hard as you're going to work or as hard as you think you can work to affect that change god's more powerful and more capable than you right so he keeps reminding us like my wife and i both don't don't stress out and and it's not your job to, to change my brother like that's that's a good example right it's it's not my job to change my brother's belief system it's not my job to remind him of his sin it's my job to love him and god will do the rest and he knows we don't show you know we always talk about i work for a church so we talk about my faith we talk about what we believe and it, it including the day-to-day like we had a harvest festival and you know so we talk about that um, all that to say, I think my relationship with Jesus, with God through all of this has just been very real, very practical. Um, and I'm not one of those, I'm not a person who has ever audibly heard God, but I definitely know God has spoken to me and guided me and led me in very, very simple, down to earth, practical day to day sort of ways, you know. Yeah, God uses the Holy Spirit to speak to us all in different ways, for sure. Absolutely. And um, it is definitely important to remember that 
um, although we do not agree with other people's lifestyle and we may not accept homosexuality as being or LGBTQ, any of the any of the alphabet uh, to be a, an acceptable a way of life. But we're not called to judge them. We're not called to, right. like you say, think we're holier than thou because we all sin. Uh, right. And uh, we are called, like you say, to love them and to show Christ's love towards them. That That isn't ex- right. saying accept the way that they live. It is not saying that that we we say that they should have any ministry position in the church. That right. is to, to say that we recognize that although they're living in sin, we're also sinners. Right. And yep. uh, we can't expect them to change if we aren't going to love them and Absolutely. show them Christ's love. Uh, and that was that was one thing that Christ really uh, was phenomenal uh, at showing yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, he he didn't judge the adulteress. Uh, he told them, "Who's going to cast the first stone? It has to be though someone without sin." Well, nobody could right. cast the first stone because they were right. all exactly. And he was the only one who could cast a stone, and he chose not to. He chose not to, yeah. And so I think that that is uh, a great example uh, that we need to definitely remember uh, in in our lives and in dealing with with people of any lifestyle is, yeah, 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 hate the sin, not the sinner. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's so hard. And, you know, it's hard not to make it personal or to come off like judgmental and <laughs> accusatory. It's hard not to. I think it's kind of, that's part of our sin nature, right? Is yeah. to say, well, you're, you're wrong. I'm right. Um, but Jesus led by example. He never, he didn't do that. You yeah. know? And I always, so. I always think of my own sin and being like, okay, so what have I done? Right. Like, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. And uh, I am not free of all sin. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the only yeah. way that we, that we can become righteous is through jesus christ and his saving grace that he died on the cross for us and freed us of those sins we still sin but the difference is we repent of our sins and that's really why message yeah absolutely and and why would somebody of the lgbtq plus community care to even listen to our god if we're being judgmental or accusatory or even downright nasty towards them and their community is being loving and accepting towards them. You know what I mean? The world, the the enemy has been really good about convincing us or convincing a lot of the world that if it feels good, it's right. And the, the LGBTQ community has been really good at doing what the church is supposed to be doing. They've been really good about going, you know, come as you are. You're good. We love you. The church should be leading the way in that, you know. Uh, but and, and like you said, right? That doesn't mean you need you're going to get a position of leadership. There's some things you've got to work through before we can talk about that, or even uh, in a position of um, serving others, right? Yeah. Um, I think a lot of churches, it seems for some reason, it's easier to start a recovery ministry and um, love on addicts in that way and, and recognize you're still struggling with your addiction. Maybe you shouldn't be an elder at this time, or maybe you shouldn't be a board member or, you know, yeah, yeah. that that's not a difficult conversation. I think a lot of churches have figured out how to do that and they do it really well. But when it comes to certain hot button topics, it's still like, Nope, 
we don't want them here, you yeah. know? And so I think take, let's take that example of recovery and let's, let's apply that to a lot of the other um, worldly groups of people that we struggle with. Yeah. And then there's churches that go the, the opposite extreme. <laughs> Right. And they have right. them in leadership positions and all this. And it's like, no, before you can, like I yeah. said, before you can become a leader or an elder, we need to deal with, right. with this issue in hand because you are an example for other people yeah. in the church. Uh, so I think it, it, it it's a balance that, that needs to be made uh, without bringing a lot of woke stuff into the church. But yeah. at the same time, being loving and caring and and showing them you know yes we think you your lifestyle is, is sin and it is sin but i love you christ loves you right and and i i use the example of all the hate that is spewed these days towards mm. everybody you either agree with me or shut up and i hate you like yep. that's that's the attitude of so many these days and yep. it's not the attitude we need we need to get back to having open discussions and conversations and that's the only way that we're going to show christ's love is through that that open conversation and dialogue with people of any background um just final piece of advice uh what advice would you have for children who are going through a parental divorce or separation as i know that is such a common thing these Mm. days and i don't know how what youth or whatever are listening but I think it's an important piece of advice that, that they need to hear. Yeah. Um, honestly, I would say lean into a church community, find a youth group, or if you're elementary age, you know, your Sunday school group, lean into that. Um, those friends are going to be there for you. They're going to be your community. They're going to support you, um, love on you. Um, chances are some of them are going through it as well or have gone through it. Um, but lean into the church community that you have. And if you don't have one, find one. Um, because I think that's, that's what got me through. Cause I, like I said, I was angry for a long time, even after they got back together, what got me through that was the love of my friends in my youth group. The youth pastor was great. The, um, some of the parents of my friends were great, but what really, got me through all that were was my peers were my 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 peers who who had a faith who believed and who who could love on me the way jesus they jesus loved me through them mm-hmm. and, during that time and and continue to to this day they're still some of my closest friends to this day yeah it gives so you someone to, to talk to and absolutely open up to yeah and i think that's important for anybody in any going through any struggle is find a mentor or a friend, somebody you can talk to and who's going to be listening and who can share some wisdom with you because um, we don't know everything. And (laughs) as hard as it is to admit, we don't know everything and other people have some wisdom that they can share with us. Right. And if just to add on one last thing, as you were talking, it made me think if you want to take that one step further, do reach out to the youth pastor. Do reach out to your Sunday school teacher. They're there to love on you and to help you to walk through whatever it is you're going through. And they should have that godly wisdom to really help you in a very healthy way. Yeah. If, if they're doing it right. <laughs> yes, yes, for sure. 
Well, thank you for coming and sharing with us today. It's been it's Absolutely. been really great. Uh, if you ever want back on, just give me a shout. I will. I will. I appreciate it, man. Keep doing what you're doing. It's a great show. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Cool Explorations. You've just heard Shane talking about his family history with his parents divorcing when he was a child, what it was like going through that, and his mom having a child with another man uh, during that separation, and his father's attempted suicide, and how this has all really impacted him uh, growing up, uh, as well as the way he is now, and how he's seen God at work throughout this entire process. If you would like to reach me for any reason, you can do so at tpeters745 at gmail.com.